0: Talked about the buildings, and I wanted to give you just an understanding. Like this is crazy that this is. We have one month left in this space. It's wild to think of. Here we are, first weekend in August. The first weekend in September is our last weekend of gatherings in this space, and then we'll take the month of September off, and we'll do online only, so we can gut this place and move it over. And you guys have been incredibly faithful. I, I don't know that if someone had told me in the beginning of the COVID season. Hey, the church is gonna not it's not just gonna hold the line it's actually going to go up a little fiscally i would have never understood that idea but that's what's happened at vintage it's just been the, the faithfulness of not not just the lord because the lord rarely is faithful on his own he uses us to be faithful in partnership with him and that's what i'm very grateful for so we have we raised enough resource was about a million dollars to buy the two buildings together that we're buying and we could throw that. So just, uh, Thatch, if you would, just give me the, uh, the blueprint. Um, so some of you, maybe out on the screen, you can't see it, hopefully the camera will grab that for you. This is the bottom two spaces. We, we raised enough resource to buy those two buildings, which is incredible. Here's what, what I think is really fun. It takes the same amount of money per month to own those two buildings as it does to lease this one so it's a it's a no-brainer decision as a business it's better for the family we get to future forward what, what we're going to do is the right side of that is an existing church that we bought and so we're going to move in and we'll have to multiply our gatherings we'll probably end up doing four on a Sunday morning assuming the COVID thing stays in place if they open it up and let us have bigger gatherings then it'll change but well, we're gonna live in that side of the gathering as we continue to raise money to flip. How many have ever bought a house and flipped it as you lived in it, right? So you, you, you have to, it, there's a certain amount of resource. And I was, with the board, Ed and I were together hammering through this project and we kept, so all in the project's about six million, just under. Four million to buy the properties, two million to flip the space. It's about 31,000 square feet right now. And we were just struggling with, hey, we need a million five to buy this. We need a million five to buy this. And I was laying in bed. I was actually on, on vacation, laying in bed, and I felt like the Lord said, that's not true. And it caught me off guard, because I'm like, the Lord's calling something out as untruth in me. I need to figure out what that is. So I got up and sat with the Lord, and he just said, you absolutely have enough to buy the buildings. You just don't have enough to flip it and buy it. And I realized that the Lord was inviting us into a journey that was gonna be a little different than, how many are like me and you like to make plans? And you like it when it happens the way you want it to happen. And so I, there's, there's two things that will take Greg Sanders out. One of them is emotional rejection and disappointment. I have a really hard time dealing with those two things. Like I need my friends around me to really coach me back out of it to do well in life. So I was really disappointed, then I realized it would be so grossly untruthful to miss this opportunity that the Lord had opened for us because of a perspective. So my goal for us is that we can amass the resources to flip it, which what that means is we gotta come up with about another $500,000. But we'll do that as we live in it, with the hope that we can raise those resources by about the 15th of November, and then we can turn the building over to the, to the construction company, and we'd be able to have the full building together for Easter 2021, which is kinda of my goal, just to set it out there as a date. That takes a lot of the pressure off us as a family. COVID has been a really interesting season and there's some things about it for our journey that I think have been fantastic. I.e., we were at about 1,000 to 1,200 people a weekend in our gatherings and right now, uh, well, today it was about 600 or so, maybe between 550 and 600 here all in, which was uh, the biggest we'd seen. But right now we're having this respite to where we just get to do online and serve the family that way. So I just feel like the Lord has set this thing in motion and I I don't know that at the beginning of COVID I thought, oh, this is gonna work for us. But how many know that that is the promise of the king? That it always works for our benefit if we just trust him. He will always work all things together for good to those who love him and are in Christ Jesus. I'm excited about where we're gonna be. I don't wanna take a long time, but I really, I didn't share in the first gathering. I felt like I was supposed to in this one. If you have your Bibles, let's go to James chapter one. Pastor Travis took us through a really incredible teaching last week. And I, I, I stood in the back while he was teaching, having a moment where I'm like, I mean, it's, it, how many have been on a ball team before and somebody of your team does something awesome and you're like, I'm glad they're my teammate, I'm proud of them. I just had that moment. I was like, man, I'm so proud of my team. The other thing was going on in my heart was, if we as a people of God could understand this principle that's being taught, it'll change our life. The principle really was to understand that our desires cannot rule us. And he he was jumping out of the text that said, no person can say I'm tempted by the Lord because God can't tempt. And we juxtaposed that to Psalm 37 that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And the idea of this word delight is to be light and fragile. I would say moldable. Travis used the illustration of trying to mold a rock into something versus molding Plato. All of us would choose Plato, It's a lot easier. If we could just grab onto the idea that our desires are to be laid before the Lord, good, bad, and indifferent. So if you're driving a car and the car's in drive and you shift it into neutral, all of a sudden the car kind of comes to rest and there's no propulsion. There's no motivation. This is the idea of coming to neutral before the Lord. Isaiah 66 will say blessed is the man or the woman, the person who trembles at the word of the Lord. Now Hebrew being a a pictorial language, in the Hebrew it's a picture of a tree that's sitting idle and the wind comes and it moves it. The idea is to be so neutral before the Lord that he can whisper and just the breath of his whisper moves us a direction. So we go back to this idea that's here in James. Where does this, where, what do we do with desire? What do we do with the things in our heart that come up? The teaching was very simple. We need to come before the Lord and sit with him and ask his question. Hey, I have this in my heart. What do you want me to do with it? And church, if we could understand that we do not have the right nor the authority in the kingdom to just move into our ideas without his counsel, If we could just understand that it will save us from wrong pursuits. Wrong pursuits will end up with wrong results. The idea of sin is to miss the mark. This is not to to be harsh, it's to say, if we could just learn to shift into neutral with our attitudes, the things our hearts want, maybe even some of our appetites, and we just shift into neutral and just bring them to the Lord. Lord, I want your counsel. Your promise is if I delight, which is to make you the focus, that you, you give me desire. And the Lord filters through them. All of a sudden, we stop making stupid moves. We stop chasing the wrong good things. We stop leaning into addiction. Can you imagine sitting with the Lord saying, Lord, I really, really want to move into a drug life. I'm bored and I want to get high. What do you think about it? You're like, that's funny. No, I'm being serious. Why is it important? Because when the Lord speaks, according to the scripture, it plants faith in us. It actually puts a seed into us. So every time the voice of the Lord comes into my life, it plants a seed for faith. So I'm no longer trying to white knuckle it, now I'm walking in obedience to what he says. And there's incredible power in obedience. Because I'm no longer trying to white-knuckle it and just be a good person. I'm just saying, no, I'm just doing what the Lord gave me to do. So-and-so, how do you stay in this job? It's just a dumb job. I, mean, I asked the Lord what he want me to do. He said, He you want me to stay there? I want us to grab that principle as people. I think this next season in the kingdom, not just in vintage, is intended by the Lord to be marked by people who delight in him and hear his voice. The marketplace is intended to be influenced by people that are hearing his voice. There's entrepreneurial anointing that's being released because the Lord's whispering ideas and we don't know what to do with it, so our fear kicks in. We're like, oh, I can't make that work. What happens if we sit with the Lord and he says, I want you to take the risk and go, I will be with you in this. And all of a sudden, we're moving into the marketplace, into ideas, into vision. We're moving into school endeavors. We're moving because the Lord promoted it, not because it was our idea. This is what we were dealing with in James. But all of this has to be anchored with an understanding, and we dealt with it today a little bit. James will go on in in the next couple verses. He says, I don't want you to be led astray. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in heaven, in whom there is no shadow of turning. What does James mean? He says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You have to learn how to delight in the Lord because you understand his goodness. You understand that he is good. His heart for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. He's not there as an ogre in the sky waiting to smack you if you get out of line. I was standing in the back, knew what was gonna happen because it happened first gathering. So I was more prepared for it and more uncomfortable actually this time. (laughs) And I feel like the Lord just said, I want you to talk about living without pretense before me. You see, if I understand his goodness, I quit trying to earn it. I quit trying to present to him what I think he needs me to be. I quit trying to put on a good face and clean up my life so he'll accept me. And I begin to come before him because I've discovered one in whose counsel I can trust. And I'm learning that he's good. Because that's what James says. He's not like the stars in the sky that twinkle and their light comes and goes and it fades. That's not what he's like. He's not the father that is for you in one moment, against you the next. See, the problem is, because God is a leader, when we have bad leaders, all of a sudden it starts, we start to superimpose our leadership history, and we assume that's who he is. Because he's a father, all of a sudden our bad dad issues begin to superimpose over who he is, and we start losing sight of his goodness, and James says, wait, time out. He's not like them. He's not like what you see in the earth. He's different. His goodness is pure, it's pleasing, it's perfect. I think James uses the light in the sky for a reason, because he's challenging us. If we don't understand his goodness and know how to live in it, we will start reading the signs in our life as an evidence that he's for us. And we'll start reading the signs as an evidence he's against us. And when we do that, it makes us so movable by the enemy because a bad circumstance, all of a sudden, God's mad at us or a good circumstance and we just jump into it and run because God's happy with me. And see, what, what, what Pastor Trav talked about last week and what we have to know is to vet our desire before the Lord means we just sit with him and say, hey, this is what's going on in my heart. Can you imagine how much divorce we'd see if people came before the Lord and said, Lord, I really, I really wanna leave them today. I'm done, I don't wanna be here anymore. What do you think? To have the Lord whisper and say, hey, I'm not in that. I want you to stay the course. And all of a sudden, our hearts are melted because we've we've heard his voice. What would it look like if instead of us being hotheads in the marketplace that left because we didn't get what we liked or because our boss overlooked us, we would come at home and sit before the Lord and say, hey, my job's really stressing me out. Thank you for it, but I think I want to leave. What do you think? To hear the Lord say, hey, I want you to hold on. I have you there to minister to somebody. So all of a sudden we we rise to the occasion differently because we're now there out of obedience. Could I say this to you, and I mean it with everything in me, you were never ever intended to live adjunct from the voice of God. And if you've bought into any kind of idea that says, I can read the Bible and not hear his voice, I would say this, lack of hearing the Lord's voice is an unbiblical way of pursuing him based on what's read in here. Everybody in here was hearing his voice. But learning how to take our entire hearts, shift into neutral, and lay them in front of him. All the ugly stuff that you think he doesn't wanna know, guess what, he already knows. All the good stuff, all all the endeavors, all of it. The emotional trauma, the anger, all of it. Just, you're like, hey, I didn't know what to pray for, now I have a laundry list of things I need to pray for. Instead of assuming the right to lead ourselves, this is what it means to be under the authority of Jesus. And James is pushing in his writing to say, look, if you don't get this, you're gonna end up in wrong pursuits, which will net wrong results. If you learn how to live in the goodness of the Lord and you learn how to just lay your heart bare before him and let him lead you, it will produce success and joy because he's gonna lead you where he wants you to go. Today, we honor 10 years of vintage. It's super fun. I can tell you what that journey was like. I had a job offer with Pastor Gary, who's my spiritual dad. He's one of my best friends. I was like, I love, I love, the, I absolutely love the Bay Area. So it was like a no, it was a slam dunk. I was like, yep, awesome. I had a job offer in Austin, Texas with a friend of mine who was going to plant a church to be basically a worship pastor for what was going to become a mega church. I was like, it's my moment to be Christian famous. Let's go. Let's do this. And I sat down with the Lord and said, here's what, all this stuff. I don't know what to do. And he's like, I want you to plan a church. And I'm like, that was not on the list. <laughs> he said, I want you to invest and contend for a place where my glory will rest, which sounds so churchy. I I had been in church ministry long enough that I knew the cost and everything in me. I I told my wife, we'll give it two years. I told the Lord, I'll give it 10. Because I knew she wouldn't buy into 10. So I'm like, I'll just give it two years, babe. Can you hang with me? My point in all that is, if we could learn to push pause in our life and let him govern every single decision we make, I'm not talking about what color socks to wear, that's weird, don't do that. I'm not talking about where to eat, that's bizarre. Assume that he gave you a brain because he loves you and wants you to succeed in life. I'm talking about having the counsel of a friend where you'd say, I don't wanna make decisions without you. I love your voice. I don't even wanna try. Why in the world would I try it alone when I could have the wisdom of heaven in every decision? It makes no sense. Yeah, but what if he doesn't give me what I want? Oh, you see, that's an important idea. Wouldn't we all agree, I want what he wants for me because everything he wants for me is good, pleasing, and perfect? Then we have to relinquish the ability to control what that is. We have to yield it and say, I am not my own. I was bought with a price, so here's my life. I trust you to lead me, and where you lead me, I will follow, I'll put a smile on, and I'll serve. And church, this is the next move in the church, is a group of people that so excel in the marketplace, excel in the private place, because they're allowing the Lord to lead every decision. That is his heart, it's his passion, and it's gonna change a city. It's gonna change the work environment, because we're no longer there just making it. We're now there under the authority and the leadership of heaven. Let's stand.